0: Welcome to the Winner's Guide to Losing Football Alliance. I am your host, Paul. I am evaluating what each team needs to improve for the next season, going worst to first based on last season's standings. This week, we are looking at teams 21 through 24. Team 21, the Miami Dolphins. Do yourself a favor and go to the YouTube and search Mike McDonald. He is unlike any head coach the league has ever seen. There have been players' coaches like Jimmy Johnson, Andy Reid, and Pete Carroll. There have been tough coaches like Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells, Bill Cowher, and Bill Walsh. Okay, I just got on a Bill run, and the last two may not have been super tough, so I'll throw out Mike Ditko. Well, what proves true with all the coaches mentioned is the nature with which they manage their teams. Some are certainly more affable than others, but there is a demeanor they all maintain, a line they won't cross. Mike McDaniel has the demeanor of a guy who just slept with the coach's daughter and knows he's about to be kicked off the team and doesn't care. In fact, go watch the movie Summer School, starring Mark Harmon and nutty Scientologist, may she rest in dirt, Kirstie Alley, to get a sense of who Mike McDaniel is. One could say that summer school is the Mike McDaniel story. A young, promising teacher sent to help elevate young minds who don't recognize their own worth or talents. Offensively, Miami had their best offensive season since 1995 when Don Shula was coaching and Dan Marino was throwing. And just to age this a bit, Irving Fryer was the leading receiver. I'll wait while you Google who Irving Fryer was. Early in the 2022 season, Tua Tungavailoa looked to be a new man under Mike McDaniel, who showed a great understanding of the psyche of the quarterback. Again, check YouTube for an interview McDaniel had about being around Tungavailoa, and you will see a strong reason as to why I think McDaniel is a head coach and not a summer school teacher. However, Tua missed multiple games due to a devastating concussion and missed the last three games of the season, including the playoffs to injury. Miami needs Tua healthy because he can win with McDaniel and needs reps in the system. He has some incredible receiving options in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Water, but the offense doesn't have much after that. Mike Jasicki signed with divisional rival New England, and the 25th-ranked rush offense re-signed all of their running backs for whatever that's worth. Defensively, a common theme for most teams who were fringe playoff options is being good in one area on each side of the ball. Miami could pass, but not run. But on defense, they could defend the run, but not the pass. They released Byron Jones, who due to injuries may never play football again, but quickly pivoted and traded for Jalen Ramsey but then made very few moves to assist in the secondary. They should be counting on an improved pass rush to help bring those terrible secondary numbers to respectable levels. Team needs, tight end, wide receiver depth, and defensive playmakers. Look, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell are nightmares, but there is little to be concerned on the offensive side of the ball. I have loved watching Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. in San Francisco, but at this point in their career, they are merely change of pace backs. Losing Jaseki means they have tight ends who have a combined 35 receptions last year on their roster. Tight end might be their most important position focus in the draft on the offensive side of the ball. And on defense, find more help. Find more ball hawks. And find more sackers. Find someone in the draft that defenses must account for, regardless of defensive line, linebacker, or secondary. Find someone, anyone, because Jalen Ramsey is dumb. Projection? I'm already over the Aaron Rodgers Jets, and I don't think they are going to be a team to look out for as everyone assumes. I'm also not sold on Buffalo. I'll get to that in the next episode and the Patriots will be starting Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. So there is your fourth-place team in the AFC East. I'm going to count on mad genius Mike McDaniel to elevate this offense further, and I'll give the Dolphins a 75% chance of making the playoffs. Team 22, the Los Angeles Chargers. I have made it a point to shade on owners, and I thought Dean Spanos, owner of the Chargers, would be easy fodder considering he moved the team from San Diego to Los Angeles, a move seemingly made for monetary purposes. However, Spanos tried for more than a decade to keep the Chargers in San Diego, or at least that's how it was sold. The city of San Diego has had a poor track record with its sports teams and their ownerships, and due to this, elected officials have had a difficult time supporting these teams. The Padres have made a strong push to improve their roster while also building a new beautiful stadium in the time the Chargers couldn't. And now the Chargers play home games in a stadium where visiting team fans usually outnumber the home team fans. It's a fucking disgrace and a slap in the face to every San Diego Chargers fan out there. What bodes poorly for this franchise is there still seems to be a lack of understanding of how the game of football is to be played. Brandon Staley was hired as an up-and-coming defensive genius and in two years has not cracked the top 20 in defensive yards or points given up, then lost a playoff game in which they led 27 to nothing. This could have been their second year in a row in the playoffs, but Staley screwed that up as well. Tied with the Raiders, with roughly a minute left in overtime, the Raiders were content to run the game down and end in a tie which would send both teams to the playoffs. The Chargers somehow didn't get that memo and called a timeout. The Raiders then used that time and were able to kick a game-winning field goal with two seconds left. And instead of the Chargers in the playoffs, we got Pittsburgh, who were blown out in their opening round game. The decision-making by Staley is poor, and his ability to elevate the defense is non-existent despite having players like Joey Bosa and Derwin James. Dean Spano should have fired Brandon Staley, but instead allowed Staley to fire the offensive coordinator along with a couple of assistants. Offensively, the clock is ticking on this team, despite having a young, talented quarterback in Justin Herbert. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams missed a combined 11 games last year, with Allen being over 30 years old and Williams turning 29 this year. Young receivers like Josh Palmer and DeAndre Carter have flashed, but don't look yet to be ready to assume the lead receiver. Austin Eckler has requested a trade, but will likely remain with the Chargers for one more season, as the last couple of drafts have not produced a solid replacement despite multiple running backs picked. Defensively. They do share some of the same issues as the offense, age and injury. Derwin James and Joey Bosa are both in their primes, but both have had issues with injuries in the past. Team needs. Get younger. The Chargers have hit on a few players in the draft in the last few years, and they will need to do the same this year, specifically at the skill positions and on the defensive line. Projection. I am shocked that Brandon Staley wasn't fired at the end of this last season, but I believe he won't be back in 2024. Injuries and coaching ineptitude will keep this team out of the playoffs, but I will give them a 20% chance of making it. Team 23, the Baltimore Ravens. As an offensive coordinator, Greg Roman has never not had a top 10 rushing offense. Yet only one time has he finished above 23rd in passing offense. In 10 years, he has finished top five in rushing nine times and bottom five in passing seven. He was given dynamic quarterbacks in Colin Kaepernick, Tyrod Taylor, and Lamar Jackson and could not build a passing game around any one of them. You might be able to blame the quarterbacks singularly but as a whole there is an issue. He has since left the Baltimore Ravens, but it remains to be seen if Lamar Jackson can develop into the type of quarterback who can have a 15 to 20 year career or if he'll fall in line with Cam Newton as a gimmick. Offensively, this team begins and ends with Lamar Jackson. If he isn't under center, then there is no reason to discuss Baltimore as a playoff contender. I'd still like to see Atlanta make the trade for him, and I can't honestly fathom why they haven't, even if all of their free agent signings have limited their ability to sign a contract extension. But if Lamar is back with Baltimore, and it's looking like he will, he will have a lot to prove. He'll be working with new offensive coordinator Todd Monken, who does have success coaching the passing aspects of the game and could help Lamar develop as a thrower, which would be great if he had receivers better than Rashad Bateman and Devin Duvernay. Mark Andrews and the run game have largely been a security blanket for this offense, but with injuries at running back the last few years, it's hard to say what value J.K. Dobbins and crew can contribute, and I'm no believer that new signing Odell Beckham is the answer either. His signing with Baltimore has to speak to an unspoken belief that Lamar will be back, but this offense needs younger wide receivers with talent. Isaiah likely is a nice counter to Mike Andrews, and the receiving core could use a Zay Flowers or perhaps a Jameer Gibbs in the backfield. But they need someone dynamic. Defensively, in the last 20 years, when have we worried about a Baltimore? 2023 is not the year to begin with. They could shore up some issues in the secondary, but these are areas John Harbaugh is already aware. And despite not signing any free agents, you can bet Baltimore will be aggressive in the draft to get help on the back end. They lost Marcus Peters, and they could benefit from adding a pass rusher, but this side of the ball is usually silly. Team needs? figure out the Lamar Jackson situation. It doesn't do either side any good to be pussyfooting this situation. If you find a game-changing quarterback, you make it. So it is unnerving that Baltimore would make Lamar available, which could speak to how they feel about him. it could also speak to how Lamar feels about himself and his worth. Does he value his contributions higher than Baltimore does? and Baltimore is willing to let the league define his worth?
1: A lot of humbling
0: shit going on here, folks. Projection. Baltimore will have a shot to win the division, and is almost a lock if Lamar returns. They will finish in fourth and could have a top-ten draft pick if he is cherry-picked. Right now, he hasn't been moved, so I'll side with the former, and an 80% chance they make the playoffs. Team 24, the Minnesota Vikings. Prior to last year's draft, the Vikings had 22 draft picks in two years. They found five starters, including a perennial all-pro at wide receiver in Justin Jefferson. However, 15 of those 22 drafted are no longer even on the team. Turnover occurs when teams move on from a coach. But when you look at the situation Minnesota is in, you really would have liked to have hit on a few more players, even if they are just backups. The problem with moving on from so many drafted players so early is you still need to field a roster of 53 men. And when you need to do so through free agency, it gets really fucking expensive. And Minnesota did some really great things last year. That Buffalo game was incredible. I still talk about that game to this day. But they were eventually cut down for fielding the worst defense in the league. Offensively, it should almost be impossible to make Dalvin Cook an afterthought. But Justin Jefferson is that guy. In an era of receivers looking to quickly look to the rest for phantom pass interference calls, Jefferson finishes every ball thrown his way. Unfortunately, beloved Adam Thielen has moved on, which means K.J. Osborne will get his opportunity to shine, and in Kevin O'Connell's slash Sean McVay's slash Mike Shanahan's offense, he should produce nicely. Dalvin Cook has been a stud while on the field, and when he invariably misses time to injury, Alexander Madison has filled in admirably. This could have actually netted... Madison a higher-profile spot on another team, but he did choose to resign with the Vikings. The black sheep of this group is Christian Kirk Cousins, a man who said he put himself in a plexiglass bubble to not get COVID, but still chose to not get the vaccine to not get COVID. Not being political here, but for people who say they will die and do anything for their teams— it sure seems disingenuous to not actually die. Pull your team. Defensively, losing their first pick in the draft, Lewis signed to a season-ending injury certainly hurt a secondary that needed any and all playmakers they could find. Minnesota did sign more defensive players through free agency, but only one in the secondary. And while Byron Murphy is a nice player, if Minnesota isn't investing most of their five, five, five draft, that's it. What the fuck did Minnesota do? Team needs. They need to choose a direction. Kirk Cousins will be thirty-five at the start of the season, and while I feel he is better than his prime-time record, there is little time left in the tank, and Minnesota will need to begin working. On an exit strategy. I could see them pulling a Packers and drafting Hendon Hooker at the end of the first round, hoping to re sign Cousins for a few seasons as a mentor. With only two picks in the first three rounds and five total, Minnesota doesn't have a great shot at rebuilding the defense and preparing for life past Cousins. So I could see Minnesota trading back from their first round pick to accumulate a few more picks. Projection? I have some great friends who are lifelong, diehard Minnesota fans. And while I do believe Minnesota is on the verge of a complete rebuild in 2024, there is a window for one last run if they can hit on some defensive draft picks. I give them a 75% chance of making the playoffs, and I would love to see my friends experience a Super Bowl with them. So if San Francisco can't do it, I will be rooting for the Vikings. Next episode, I will be covering the Jacksonville Jaguars, the New York Giants, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Buffalo Bills. Until next time, this is Paul from The Winner's Guide to Losing